tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. October 3rd, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chesko, who's on vacation. He's traveling back from Nashville. So we have our good friend, Carl Henderson, pinch hitting tonight. Welcome back to the show, Big C. Thanks for having me. All the right. Question hey. is, am I, in the two, am I in the two hole or the four hole? Where, where uh, you know hitting? what? You're the cleanup man. When you bring the big swingers <laughs> in, you put them in a four hole. <laughs> okay, I just want to know where I'm at. Hey, you know what? You know how having the big guys batting in the two hole doesn't sit well with me. So we're going cleanup man. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, the Eagles go to Nashville. They let one slip away. The Philly season has come to a sad end, and. I know one of your favorite times of the year, Carl. Flyers hockey starts tomorrow night in Vegas. I got I got goosebumps. I, I I'm listening to Gene Hart telling you know win the Stanley Cup, and I got goosebumps. I, I'm I'm that excited. <laughs> oh, there you go. Me too. Uh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm kind of a funny hockey fan. Uh, I'm not big on like on a football game or something. I can sit and pretty much watch anybody. It's it's Flyers hockey for me. Sitting and watching the Blues and the uh, Canucks doesn't doesn't really work for me. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same, you know, with hockey. Um, you know, I, I obviously my my allegiance is to the Orange and Black, but you know, I mean, if I have nothing else to watch, um, you know, I'll look for you know I'll look for it just about anything to watch. There so, you go. Uh, you know, just just like tonight. I mean, you know, the, the you know the Capitals are kicking it off, and you know you got to the first fifteen minutes you got to watch them get their rings and the ceremony and stuff. So I, you know, I'll bypass that. <laughs> well, that's uh, well, well. We'll get to the Flyers a little later on, but hey, before we get started, you've got a big weekend set up at Carl's Cards and Collectibles. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, we've got. Um, uh, linebacker Nigel Bradham coming in Friday night. Um, pre-sales for that have been very good. He hasn't done uh, he hasn't done a whole lot since winning the uh, you know the trophy. So we're excited to uh, to be bringing him in. Um, it just seems it, you know the energy is still there. You know people are finishing team pieces and they just love meeting the players and you know congratulating them and just talking to them and trying to sneak in a photo here and there. And so it's uh, Friday night's going to be jam packed. And then we roll right into our annual uh, customer appreciation day on Saturday, which is generally a lot of fun. You know, we give, uh, we give away a lot of stuff. We have raffles and we've got uh, Philly's great uh, Art Mahaffey coming in for, uh, you know, he'll sit, he'll sit down for a couple hours and sign free autographs for everybody. Um, you know, we're going to have, we're just going to have a lot of fun. We're hoping, you know, we're hoping it's going to be a nice sunny day on Saturday so we can do some things outside. Um, but yeah, so the weekend is jam packed. So we're, uh, we're excited. Awesome. Hey, now you just had a signing a week or so ago with that uh, Seth Joyner and Clyde Simmons game to Havertown. Uh, how did that go? And how was the fans reaction to those two Eagle greats? Uh 
Seth is in town quite a bit, so he's, you know, he's usually around, you know, for people to have access to at radio shows and different things. Clyde, on the other hand, you know, was, was in town, you know, for the ceremony. So it was great. It was awesome to have them at the table together. Uh, people just, they love that gangrene, you know, defense that went back to the Buddy Ryan era. Um, you know, Seth Joyner is a huge talker. He just loves to talk Eagles football. So he, you know, he had it going on all day. Uh, Clyde's, you know, a little bit more on the quiet side. But, um, you know, they all had some great stories, some really cool things going on, you know, guys that they, you know, uh, talked about. And, and, and this this is what was really uh, crazy. Uh, Seth was a big, you know, uh, supporter of Wes Hopkins and, and spoke so highly of Wes Hopkins. And then the following week, Wes passes away. I was oh, just, wow. I, was torn, I was torn apart by that. You know, it was just like, wow, where did that come from? Wow. So they didn't they didn't indicate that they knew he was sick or anything. No, I I don't know, and I yet to hear anything um, as to the cause of death. Um, no one's announced anything. I asked uh, Derek uh, on social media, and he said he hadn't heard anything. So I really don't know. I mean, he was a pretty young guy; he's fifty seven years old. So, but did did. Seth and Clyde were awesome. I can see why the Eagles wanted to bring them in together, the, the personalities of that defense. Um, long overdue, you know, and I'm hoping I'm hoping bigger and better things for Seth Joyner. I'm, think, I'm hoping maybe he can, you know, make it to the, uh, the big Hall of Fame, so to speak. Right. Well, he did actually make it to the, the first list, right, the 102 or whatever it is. Yes. He did make that, but there's yes. a – a lot of whittling that goes to get down to the final yeah. five or six. Yeah, he's got he's got some 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 super numbers. I mean, he ranks right up there. So, you know, you look at some other guys that got there, and you know, you look at his numbers, and you know, you're kind of shaking your head. Yeah, well, not winning that Super Bowl certainly uh, hurts them. Well, Speaking yeah. of that, hey, let's start out and talk some about the present Eagles, two and two, after losing on the road again. Uh, you concerned at this point? This team's banged up. I'm concerned because they throw the ball an awful lot. I think they ran the ball 15 times and passed for 51 attempts. Um, it just I, there's no balance there um, on on offense. I and I really honestly believe they miss Brent Selleck as a linebacker that that would stay at home. Uh, tight end rather, um, stay at home and, and do all the dirty work on the line. Um, you know, you got to protect Carson Wentz. If you're not going to protect Carson Wentz, he's going to get killed back there. And uh, right. I don't, I don't uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to see that. Um, you know, they're banged up. They're banged up all, all both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they're missing some, they're missing some key guys. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the pass uh, run ratio because that that was a number that I wrote down here tonight to to throw out as well. It really caught my eye, and and here here's what it is: the Eagles have thrown the ball 170 times, and they've run 108. Um, not the ratio, the balance that you certainly would want. And Jay Jay um, is the leading rusher on this club right now: 155 yards in four games. That's 39 yards a game. Uh, you're not winning the Heisman Trophy that way, that's for sure, and uh, you're, you're not going to you're not going to do well in the NFL either. Uh, rushing for just 39 yards a game. Yeah, I, I just you know I know there's a lot of talk the past couple of days about Bell from Pittsburgh, and I don't know that that's the answer. I don't know if the chemistry would you know would work. Um, I mean, he's a great player, but he's gonna he's gonna have to have the ball all the time. Um, and I don't know that that's the Eagles' offense. Um, and I'm okay with the running backs that they have. We just need to get Corey Corey Clement healthy. Um, you know, somehow you got to you know you got to factor in Sproles. You know, he's he's the weapon that you know you can do a lot of different things with him. And you take him off the field, and you don't ever you can't replace him. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and to go along with that, Sproles and Clement both missed practice again today, as did Alshon Jeffrey, Fletcher Cox, and Derek Barnett all missed practice on Wednesday. Uh, that usually doesn't bode well for Sunday. Yeah, I, I heard that as well. Um, you know, I'm okay, I'm okay with Fletcher Cox and Alshon. They're veteran players. Um, you know, they probably are a little nicked up, but I think they'll be ready to go for Sunday. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, Corey, Corey scares me with that quad injury. You know what I mean? That those things can linger all season if, if, if they're not addressed properly. Um, and, yep. and you need, you need him. Um, we, he proved last year that, you know, he's, he's a, he's a go-to back. Um, and, and I just, I don't know. I, I just think they need to figure, you know, Doug needs to figure out this, this pass run ratio. Um, but you know, you know, let's take it a step farther. You know, if if Nelson Aguilar catches a couple passes on Sunday, we're not having this conversation tonight. Right. Exactly right. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the defensive schemes, as you said, the, they're pounding on, on Carson Wentz, and they were pounding on Nick Foles, too. Um, you know, the, the scheme has to change. They're sending more guys than there are blockers. So you got you have got to keep a tight end in. You've got to keep a yep. running back in. Somebody's got to pick up those blitzers and and uh, extra guys in the box so that Wentz has time to throw and not and not get himself killed. And so I think and, you're going to see a big adjustment coming out of Doug Peterson this week. Well, you you have to. And and again, I see you know that's where you miss a Brent Selleck because you know he's able to you know he can read that you know you know, what's coming at the line of scrimmage and whether, you know, whether he needs to stay home and, and block or, or he can, you know, he can peel off and, and, you know, pick up those 10, 15 yard passes, you know, that he was always so good at. Um, I, I don't know that the new rookie, you know, Dallas Goddard is, is, is on board yet. Um, it's going to take time. Um, so I, I hate to keep, you know, harping on the, you know, the Brent Selleck thing, but, I don't know what a, how much of a cap hit that was, but I think they surely do miss him. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I uh, wanted to ask you, what, what was your take on the defensive situation um, in, in Tennessee? They, they kind of let that, that overtime get away from them. They couldn't get off the field on third down or fourth down. Um, and all they had to do was keep, the receivers in front of them, in front of the goal line, and they win that game, even if they catch the pass. <laughs> and uh, I saw they went the, into man I coverage the, and got beat and got I, wide open and got I, beat. They had this alignment. They had five across the, the field, you know, 15 yards off the ball. And, and I understand you want to keep the play in front of you, but, you know, you got to get up there and stop the man. You can't, you know, you can't, let, you know, who was – who got pushed over on that play? Darby, I think it was. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't let that happen. You can and it happened. It happened all day, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, more so in the, the overtime. But you know, I just I just think they were they were beaten down by that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were they were some tired some tired boys out there. Yeah, I just I just didn't understand on that last play. Um, you know, they're all they had to do, they they could they would not have had time to get the field goal team on the field, and they wouldn't have been able to spike the ball because right. it was it would have been fourth down. Um, so, but they but they turn around and they go into man coverage, and I just, I just didn't understand that, and uh, I'm sure Jim Schwartz is trying to figure that out too because something went bad wrong there. Yeah, I just, you know, I just think, you know, I mean, could it be, you know, where, you know, where these D-backs are trying to do too much? Um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Mills, you know, Mills was great last year. This year, you know, he just seems like he's getting beaten, beaten on every play. Um, yeah. Well, they're, not, get, they're guess, not getting the rush. I think that's one thing, well, too, that they're not getting exactly. the rush. And, and now these guys yep. out there in, in man coverage and different coverages that were pretty successful last year are not so successful this year. Yep, you're exactly right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it doesn't get easier with the Vikings coming to town. We'll talk about that a little later when we make our, our selections. But uh, 
Hey, you know, I think overall I'm okay with the fact I think if you were going to circle a couple losses going to Nashville and going to Tampa, might have been a couple of them uh, of the five or six that they might have. So I don't know if there's any reason to panic, but I think there's certainly some things that need to be improved upon, and they certainly need to get healthy. I, you know, I, I guess, you know, you look at the, the way you lost, you know, because you just those games were winnable. You know, especially mm-hmm. the Nashville game. I mean, you know, was so winnable. Um, you know, you just let them, you know, dictate the, you know, the, the the game, especially in the second half. You know, Mariota was doing whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and uh, right. I, I just didn't like the way they lost. You know, that's, that's I'm uh, with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, hey, speaking of losses. <laughs> So much to talk about about the 2018 Phillies, but at the end of the day, they finished 80 and 82, 10 games behind the Braves. Um, what do you make of the big picture? I mean, was there improvement? Do you see improvement? The record certainly was an improvement over last year. Um, what's your takeaway as now you've had a week to chew on it? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, the past three days haven't been haven't been good around here. You know, you've got, you know, Kapler with his press conference on Sunday. You've got uh, Matt Clintock with his press conference on Monday. And then today, or Tuesday, we had, uh, you know, the GM. uh, Well, we had the GM on on Monday. And and then, you know, you get the the vice president, um, you know, trying to cover everybody, you know, and and through a whole other wrinkle, which kind of everybody took a step back, I think, you know, where, you know, he may, he may have called out, you know, his manager and his general manager in, in, in a, in a little, I don't, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> you know, he, he said some things that kind of, you know, kind of startled, you know, the press and the people that were, were listening. Um, but I, I, I just, you know, the first half of the season, I, I was sky high. I mean, middle of the summer, I, you know, I'm talking October baseball. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to buy, you know, my, my preseason or my, my playoff package. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all in. You know what I mean? And, and then the bottom fell out. I mean, just absolutely, you know, the bottom fell out. You know, the young pitchers that, you know, I mean, Zach Eflin, he won five games in June. I don't think he won a game since. Right. And yep. I, I just think, you know, there were there were so many situations, you know, and, and you and I have talked about this, you know, plenty of times with, you know, 130 different lineup changes and um, just no, no cohesiveness, no consistency, um, you know, guys just not knowing if they're playing from one night to the next, let alone what position and, you know, what we're at in the batting order. So I just think there there just wasn't enough. Uh, the second half just, you know, that was a, a collapse of, you know, monumental proportions in, in my eyes because I just think anything that could go wrong went wrong for them. Yeah, and, and you know, and I agree with everything you said. And I guess when you when you try to take a step back and you say, you know what, this team won 14 more games than last year. I think if you sat here in the uh, at the beginning of the season and, and thought that they would win 14 more games, you were probably the odd man out. Uh, but here they, they, they did. They won 14 games. And then you sit here and you think, you know what? They, they weren't a very good baseball team. And so, I, you know, I kind of tried to take a look back and say, where, how did this happen? There's plenty of blame to go around. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I just – you know, I get I can't get past the manager because I just, you know, baseball players, you know, sports players in in general, they're creatures of habit, and and they want to know, and you know, they want to see, you know, the consistency of, you know, being in the lineup, batting third, batting fourth, playing right field, you know, no, nope, not tonight, you're over and left. I, I just I don't see how you can be a good team defensively when you've got to practice all these positions. Um, I I just, I don't know. I mean, I know they're ballplayers. They get paid a lot of money. 
But, you know, if you come up as a second baseman, your whole life you've played second base, and all of a sudden they've got you in, you know, all three different outfield positions. Oh, yeah, come on in. We need you at shortstop tonight. Um <laughs> I, I I just don't I don't I don't see it you know getting any better if 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 that's the, the direction that we're going to go I really don't yeah. and and I'm and I picked Scott Kingery out because you know I mean they paid him a nice chunk of change at the beginning of the season gave him a nice contract and I thought he was the future at second base and they were going to really honestly do something you know and move Cesar you know to to generate that spot but that never happened. Right. Well, hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, there was an interview on the radio today. Uh, I got to listen to it. I don't know if you did between uh, where Gabe Kapler called in to Angelo Cataldi to basically defend his his boss. And uh, that was quite an exchange between those two. Did you get to hear it? Well, I guess it was all over. Angelo, I guess, wrote a piece. Um, yes. He wrote, he wrote a piece, and, and I guess – and, and Gabe is Gabe is on that show once a week, so he's um, you know I don't know what the, what the scenario is as far as you know the obligation, but you know he he's a regular on the show once a week, and it, you know he brings all that positivity and he brings all that juice every week, and I guess that's the thing you know that's kind of got everybody fired up, um, you know as to you know. How do you define that? You know, where 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 is that in this in this bad second half of baseball? Yeah, well, and I, I thought it was interesting, and I thought Cataldi did a pretty good job with it because he he kind of could have piled on Kapler a bit, and he didn't. Although he asked the tough questions, and he got he got tough answers. And I think Kapler did a good job of answering. Uh, I'm not sure you really want your manager and your radio morning guy. You know, in a dogfight on the radio, but I thought uh, it certainly could have gone a lot worse. I, I think it. I, I I come out of it. I still don't think Kapler's a very good game day manager, but I do respect him that he uh, he stood his ground and, and went toe to toe a little bit. He did, and he and he said, you know, he said to Angelo, he said, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna get into this and debate with you and go back and forth on on every, you know, every little comment. Uh, but he did defend. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I think I think Angelo, you know, kind of let him off the hook a little bit because I really thought he was going to tear into him, you know, based on, you know, what he wrote uh, and what he had been saying on the airwaves. So I, yeah. I kind of think he backed off a little bit. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, we've talked to Kapler, we've talked uh, Schwartz, we've talked Peterson, and uh, right after our break, we're going to talk James Franklin and the Penn State Nittany Lions. So, Let's hear from the Irish Rover Station House. We'll bring our next guest on, and we'll talk some Penn State. Hey, it's Chet, and by now you know how I feel about the Irish Rover Station House, a fantastic place for dinner or to just have a couple brews with your pals. The Irish Rover in Langhorn Bucks County has an extensive beer list, always 24 brews on tap, and daily dinner specials. Every Wednesday is Trivia Night, and this Thursday the Coors Light Team will be there buying people beers and giving away some cool swag. There are always specials during football games Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays. Go check it out. It's the Irish Rover on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Well, Carl, as I said, speaking of crazy weekends, how about what we saw in Happy Valley Saturday night with Penn State and Ohio State? I'm, I'm still, I'm still reeling over over that uh, last play of the game. I mean, come on, what, what, what was he thinking? Well, I, I don't know, but we're going to find out. We're going to get some insight to what happened and the aftermath of it all from Fox 43 Sports anchor Andrew Kalista. Andrew, welcome back to the show and. Tell us what in the world happened. Uh, you know, I think you kind of have to start at the end of the game and work your way backwards to talk about this one. Hey, guys. Uh, good to be back. Uh, hold on. I got, I got some Penn State student here yelling at me. What? What? You didn't like that call? Yeah, yeah. Come down and tell it to my face. 
Sorry, I just had a just had to yell at some student as I was uh, getting in my my car up here in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. The uh, how about that? Before we even get into the phone call, you're getting paid millions of dollars and you can handle some criticism. You gotta be restrained. I mean, I like James Franklin, but that is a pathetic look for the university, and that's a bad look for him. He's got to do better than that. Absolutely, the, uh, and he, he sure does. And I mean, you know, he. Well, I guess the end result. He had to know when the, the end result of the play was going to create criticism. But what in the world could he have been thinking to even call that play, especially after two timeouts? Well, I, I, the thing that's kind of kind of odd, it's not the two timeouts to me because the first one you're calling a timeout, you know, obviously to stop the clock and get your, get your play right for the fourth and five. Ohio State comes out, they see the look, they take a timeout. So you got to assume Ohio State's going to come out with a different look. I don't really see much of a different look at all. Penn State takes a timeout. Okay, let's see it. What gets me, and, and I asked um, Miles Sanders and I asked Juan Johnson in postgame, uh, and people asked Trace McSorley as well, um, you know, there were multiple checks at the line. If you go back and look at that play, you keep seeing Miles Sanders jump. You see Trace making hand motions. He switches them from the right side to the left side at the last moment. So what call was actually being made? Was there multiple checks at the line? And all three people, including James Franklin, said, no, that was the call. And, in fact, it was the call originally coming out of the first time out. And I get it. I'm down there on field level. What's the most perplexing thing to me is on the drive before – with the same play called an RPO, with pretty mu- it was pretty much the same play call, just different window dressing. Trace McSorley keeps it and comes at Chase Young. Chase Young dominated the second half of that football game for Ohio State's defensive line. He was a one-man wrecking crew. He's the one yes. that batted down the pass on fourth and one, keyword pass on fourth and one, after Penn State just ripped off a 12-yard run. But... If he just stopped the drive before with the same inside stunt move or a similar inside stunt move, you're coming right back to that at the at the most critical juncture of the football game. It's either pick up five in, the, in an inch or you're going home a loser. And they chose to go at the guy who was playing lights out. And that that is the most perplexing spot to me because I could understand people being, you know, having the angst of why is that ball not in the air, which I get some of that angst as well. But at the same time, if you see something and you truly believe in something, then you go at it. I just have trouble believing that our best point of attack was going at Chase Young, who was physically dominating our offensive line from the middle of the third quarter on. Yeah, really what surprised me more than anything was – why not put your best player, who Trace McSorley played just about as fine a game as anybody could play, put him back there mm-hmm. in the shotgun, let him make a play. If he, if he throws an incompletion, he throws an incompletion, but the ball was in your best player's hands to try to make something happen because the kid just made things happen all night. He did make things happen all night. That's kind of the, the, the gut-wrenching part, I think, that a lot of Penn State people are having trouble getting over. Um Let's be honest, Penn State's offensive line did not have a, have a good game. They, they did not play their best. They, they could have played better. I thought they played better last year out in Columbus and running the football even was – and protecting Trace, especially after Ryan Bates went out, was a, was a struggle last year. Um, but at the same time, you've got to think that if we could give Trace two and a half, three seconds back there to survey the field, he's going to make a decision and put the ball up where a Penn State wide receiver has a chance to make a play. And if he doesn't see a Penn State wide receiver with an opportunity to make a, make a play, those little legs of number nine is somehow going to keep that play alive. And right. I'm a big believer in I'll never say somebody's the best ever player. Somebody will ask me, what do you think of Saquon Barkley, best ever running back at Penn State? My response will be, we'll see. I'll evaluate that four, five, ten years down the road. I looked at somebody on the sidelines after one of Trace McSorley's <laughs> runs, one that was originally called a touchdown, but, they, but he was down at the half-yard line. And I said, he delivers an undefeated season. I'd be prepared to call him the best quarterback ever at Penn State, which I think coming from me is a pretty big statement because I never say that. And to mm-hmm. take the ball out of his hand in that situation 
pseudo take the ball out of his hands because he still does have the option to keep that right there. Um, it is a little bit, it, it is mind boggling. It's almost as mind boggling as you have first and goal inside the Ohio state seven yard line last year in Columbus with a chance to ice the game and Saquon Barkley doesn't touch the ball on first or second down. That yes, was kind sir. of mind boggling to me at the time, but this one is mind boggling to me uh, on a higher level. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, the other, there were two other plays that really stuck out to me, uh, offensively at least. Obviously, the Miles Sanders fumble there before halftime that let them back in the game yeah. was, was a killer. The other one was Jawan Johnson should have caught a touchdown pass that he, you know, they made a big deal about the defender. Both, both hands were on that football. He should have caught that ball, and then we're not having this conversation. He's admitted that as such in, in the post game. He, you know, he said, "I'm a senior leader. I, I got to do a better job. I got to do a better job uh, uh, making plays." The, um, and I, I'll, I'll say this: these are college age kids. I get that they're, you know, on scholarship and every and everything else like that. And and Juan's, Juan's not had a season that is up to his caliber that he should be having, especially with the body type that he has and, and the frame and the skill set that he has. He should be playing better. But I'll give him a lot of credit as a young player, um, as a young athlete, I should say, to come out and face the music and face the media because there's a lot of coaches in the professional world that don't do it, and there's a lot of players in the professional world that don't even do that. So I'll cut Juwan, um, and I I think everybody should cut cut Juwan some slack, but he recognizes that he should have made that play because he has a skill set. We saw it earlier in the game when he pulled one down that he had no business pulling down. Are you hearing this music? <laughs> I am not hearing this music. Okay. I got music in my headphones, and I have no idea where it's coming from. Hey, Andrew, this you is uh, Hey, Andrew, this is hey, Carl. There you oh, go. Oh, Carl, how are you doing? Good. Hey, um, changing uh, gears here for a minute, what was it like um, – 110,000 in the stadium, a whiteout. You know, what was the electricity in the stadium? What was that like? Uh, to start the game, it was right up there with any game you could you could imagine. I, I keep everything. The two games that I always go back to, now mind you, I'm 31 years old. The two games that, that I go back to, I go back to 2002 Nebraska, the loudest moment you'll ever hear in Beaver Stadium. Uh, now, some of the old-timers, like, like my dad, my dad and things will say that uh, when Bowman caught the touchdown pass against Nebraska in 82, they, that Beaver stadium was louder. I, I, I still find 2002 against Nebraska, the single loudest moment outside of that, you go to 2005, Ohio state. It was ridiculous off the chain, nonstop energy that you could possibly imagine. There was just something about that. And I believe the Yo, weather. I was, and, at, and I was, everything at, that, with the I was at that one too. It, yeah, that, that, that game was, was flat-out crazy. Um, but I'm going to tell you, the electricity that was in that stadium for the first quarter, right up until the Miles Sanders fumble, matches, matches those two games. And, and, and the moment of the two – I should say matches 2005 Ohio State. It was on par with the Richard Gardner interception in 2002 against Nebraska. But I'm going to tell you what, in the third quarter, if I don't know if the students are soft, if they're snowflakes or what, so what? Your team's struggling offensively. Get loud. You, you've been you've been boozing all day out in the parking lots that you have to get you know buzzed from the state police with tailgate debris flying all over the place. You can't be loud fourteen to thirteen football game. There's a problem because I mean I I don't understand. I I don't get that. That stadium should have been rocking in the third quarter and it was not rocking in the third quarter. Did it pick up in the fourth quarter? Yes, absolutely. But, I mean, if you want to claim you're the, the best student section and you're the loudest student section in the country, you do it for all four quarters, especially in a one-point ball game, regardless if your offense is struggling to move the football. Sure, sure. Hey, hey Andrew, one final question because we're running out of time already. Uh, week off this week, Michigan State next week. How do you see this team responding? Do you, I mean, this is a tough loss. Um, how do you see this bunch responding? tough loss and I know some people are saying like oh I wish the team would you know be able to get out there you know to get this one out of the, the win or lose on Saturday 
this bye week for Penn State came at the most perfect time because as we saw last year, the Ohio State game, it's emotionally and it's physically draining. You've put so much effort into this, and you could have a letdown. Let's go back to 2005 again. Penn State beats Ohio State at home. They go on the road, and a team they should beat in Michigan, they don't beat. They probably should have beaten. They don't beat. Same thing with this one. It's good to have the bye week, win or lose, after this Ohio State game, especially after a loss. Let's get, let's get, some, get some more sleep. Let's get some more treatment done. Come back, you know, much more healthier than we would have on six days rest. And we'll put a solid game plan in. And I believe James Franklin, I believe in the coaching staff that they'll have a solid game plan, a much better game plan than they had last year going up to East Lansing to face the Spartans. I'm with you. Good. I'm with you. All right. Well, Andrew, we ran ran out of time already. We appreciate you taking time to join us. And uh, we'll see how they respond. Hey, anytime. As long as we're not using sabermetrics to determine Penn State's lineup and everybody knows where they're playing, it's all good. <laughs> we are not. We promise you that. Not here on Philly Press Box Radio anyway. <laughs> all right. All right. Good, guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got a spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate Insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave LaVoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Give Dave a call today at 610-430-0700. Hey, Carl, Flyers Hockey, I know you're excited about the season started. Tell us what's going on. Well, I'll probably be all up all night, won't be able to sleep. Um, it's a late game tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, out in Vegas. And uh, I saw um, they had an open practice today that was open to the public, which, uh, you know, must have been pretty cool for a lot of Flyer fans, um, you know, traveling out there. But uh, this is going to be an early test for the, uh, for the Fly Boys um, to see, you know, to see where they're at. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think the, the big uh, question again, just like every year, is going to be goaltending. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask you uh, to bring me up to speed because I've actually been out of town and I, I have lost a little touch of this. How did the final roster work out and how many of the rookies did they end up keeping? Um, there were um, uh, Lynn Bloom and I can't pronounce the other guy's name to, for the saved the life of me. Um, they, they got two more young guys um, on the squad. They ended up uh, sending uh, Dale Weiss back to, uh, back to the Phantoms. And um, another, uh, uh, there were two final cuts and, you know, they were, they were veteran players that they, I guess they released and I guess they have to clear waivers and then they can assign them to the Phantoms. Um, but it was, um, I can't, it fell short on names, but Dale Weiss was the big name that that they ended up scratching. Um, but they're, you know, I mean, they're they're a young young hockey team again. Um, got even younger. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, I know uh, Hackstall was was talking about that today. They they had a little you know press conference, and you know he uh, I, I I think he's kind of waiting to see what happens. Um, you know, to see how these lines, you know, gel. You know, you've got JVR back in the mix. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think they've got three solid lines. If everybody stays healthy, you know, they might uh, they might be actually uh, scoring some goals. So yeah. uh, we'll see. We will see. Uh, I, and I did just get a chance to pull this up while you were, while you were talking, uh, but I'm not sure it's completely up to date. So we'll have to let it ride by. Uh, Gudis and McDonald, they kept both, I assume, right? Yes, correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then Robert Haig and Provorov and Sandheim and Gosses yes. there. They're only going – they're going with seven defensemen um, early on because they're carrying a third goaltender. They picked up uh, uh, the kid that was released from Toronto, Picard, 
Um, I don't okay. know a whole lot about him. I think he played more for the Toronto Marlies than he did the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but I think it's it's an insurance policy. You know, if Elliott uh, is not 100% or uh, Stolarz is not 100%. So, you know, like I said, here we go. Goalie issues again. Goalie, goalie issues. Well, sooner or later they're going to make the move and they're going to bring the kid up and it's going to look like that kid number 11 in green. We're going to have that going on on the hockey field uh, or I, hockey I, ice as well. Coming soon. Sure. I sure hope hey, so. Hey, what about uh, – you mentioned James Van, Van Riesdyk. What do you expect out of him, and uh, what do you expect out of that Wayne Simmons? I, I ask every hockey guy we have on the show about Simmons because I really like him, and he just had such a rough year last year with injuries. Yeah, he was – you know, he was banged up. He had – you know, he had a lot of things going on, and, you know, I mean, you know, a true gritty hockey guy, you know, he sucked it up and gave everything he had, but you could tell he wasn't 100%. And, you know, I mean, you know, he's – I don't think he's a third-line player. I really honestly don't. But, I mean, that's where he's going to be this year, um, you know, if, if things stand the way they are. I mean, I'm a huge Simmer fan. I, I, I love his game. I love his physicality. Um, I just don't think, the, you know, the Flyers have the right ingredients, you know, as far as using him in the right the right way. Um, I, I just – I've felt that all along that they – you know, he needs to be, you know, he needs to be parked out there in front, kind of like what Scott Hartnell did all those years. You know what I mean? And, you know, create havoc in front of the opposing goalie. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. He needs to stay healthy. He's a good player. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, hey, you know, looking forward to the season. We'll be talking a lot of hockey. Baseball's done. Hockey's on. We're, we're going to be talking a lot of hockey. So, uh, but I, I knew you'd be excited about it, as I am, too. So, but, hey, Big C, let's talk fantasy football with our resident expert, Fred Hugo. Fred, welcome back. Let's talk some fantasy football. Lots of changes, lots of injuries, lots going on in the NFL. What's going on, Bill? Hey, Carl. Nice to see you last hey, weekend you? or two weekends ago. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Awesome. Tell us what's going on in the fantasy football world, Fred. Who are you liking this week? Uh, this week, we got a ton of good matchups. It's always the matchups. So that Eli Manning killed me last week. I'm done. I'm done with the New York Giants. I'm done with anything that has to do with them um, <laughs> offensively. <laughs> offensively, anyway. So, <laughs> I'm going um, to start at the quarterback position, and I'm going to say uh, my first matchup, you get either quarterback in the Steelers-Falcons game. Uh, both pass defenses aren't great. So, I would go with Roethlisberger or Matt Ryan. Um, two other options uh, that I see this week is Alex Smith against the Saints secondary, and then also a sleeper pick that that uh, people may not. If you if you have a quarterback that's injured or or on a bye week and you need a waiver wire guy for one week, Blake Bortles against the Chiefs uh, defense might be a good pickup for you at quarterback. Moving to the running back spot, I love Christian McCaffrey against the Giants. Uh, I also like Melvin Gordon against the Raiders. And another guy that's been on the waiver wire this week because he just just got back last week for Green Bay is running back Aaron Jones. He had uh, 65 yards and a touchdown last week and 11 carries. And he's facing a Lions defense that that's terrible against the run. Zeke ran all over them last week, and, and every running back really has, has, has run all over them. So uh, Aaron Jones. At wide receiver, and this is not going to be a popular one, but until they get it fixed, you got to go against the Eagles secondary. I would start Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs against the Eagles secondary. Right now, they're just not not doing they're not doing well. And every every fantasy receiver is feasting. I mean, Corey Davis and uh, Corey Davis is a good receiver, but that tight Taiwan Taylor looked like Jerry Rice last week. Yes, um, he did. Also, I uh, like Keenan Allen against the Raiders. And then either one of the Pittsburgh uh, Falcon receivers, you got um, Calvin Ridley there, um, Julio Jones, uh, Smith-Schuster, and then Antonio Brown. At tight end, I'm going to just keep riding Zach Ertz. I know Alshon's back, um, so that gives another weapon for uh, Carson. And Ertz has like 30 catches and over 300 yards through four games this year. Keep riding Zach Ertz. Jared Cook of the Raiders against the Chargers is another good pickup this week. And 
on the waiver wire. He's had a good, consistent three weeks here. Vance McDonald of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can pick him up this week and, and start him. Defensively, and I'm probably going to end up – oh, no, I had it written the wrong way. All right, I, I thought I picked the Giants here, and I was like, what are you doing? No, I got the Panthers' <laughs> defense against the Giants, and um, I would go with the Panthers' defense. Also, I like the Denver Broncos against the Jets, and then also the Titans' defense uh, against the Buffalo Bills. And then at the kicker position, I would go uh, Stephen Skoskowski. He's the obvious pick uh, versus the Colts. And then I like Jake Elliott of the Eagles here. He's had a few good weeks here against the Vikings. So as far as my fantasy picks, that all that's all I have for this week. All right. Good stuff. All right. Hey, uh, Fred, I have to tell you this because this is pretty cool. Now that we're back on Blog Talk Radio, check this out. Right. Yeah! <laughs> I love it. There you go. I missed it. It's, it's time for picks, uh, and it's NFC prediction time again. And uh, we have a caller, so let's bring this caller on and see what this guy or person has to say. Hello, who do we have here? Hey, y'all. I'm calling from Eastern Tennessee. How you guys doing tonight? Well, if that doesn't sound like a little bit of Jim Chesko calling to make his predictions, I guess when you're in last place, like Fred, you have to call to defend yourself. <laughs> yeah, man. And I'm picking up an accent while I'm down here, eating lots of southern food, and I'm saying y'all to everybody because, you know, it's just the thing you do down here, you know? Yes, you do. Well, okay, let's get it going. Uh, we'll All four of us will pick on these games, so let's do it. And Fred, you're going to open it up, then we'll go with Chet, we'll go Carl, then we'll go me. All right, it's uh, Giants at Carolina. Carolina's minus seven. Dallas at Houston, Houston minus three. Monday night football, Washington at New Orleans. The Saints minus six and a half. And the Vikings come to Lincoln Financial Field to face the Eagles, or the Eagles minus three. Fred, Giants at Carolina. Carolina minus seven. Have at it. Carolina's coming off a bye. Um, after, I don't even know what I alluded to it earlier in the fantasy picks. I'm, I'm pissed off at the Giants. So I'm just going Panthers on anger 24 to seven. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to pick a score, but you know, I still think the Giants stink. And as Fred mentioned, Carolina is rested coming off that bye. Uh, Got to go Panthers on this one easily. Carl, who you have? I, I can't pick anybody in the East against the Eagles, so it has to be Carolina for me. So that's an that's an easy one. Well, and I'm I'm going with Chet. Giants still stink. I'm going Carolina in an easy one. Dallas at Houston. Houston minus three. I, I was surprised that Houston was uh, the favorite in this game. Yeah. Well, what's it, the Battle of Texas, as they call it? So, you got Zeke. He ran, did well last week. Texas has done pretty good against the um, running backs against the run. It looks like it looks like the offense started to go a little bit last week with Watson and Hopkins. I'm, I'm going to take the, uh, the Texans here. I don't think Dallas is that good. Like I said, I'm, I'm not sure how they won last week, really. It was Zeke was the whole offense. He even led them in receiving. I'm going to go uh, Texans winning this, I don't know, let's say 20 to 14. All right. Check. Uh, you know what? First of all, kudos to you, Bill, because I know it pained you to do it, but you picked the Cowboys last week, and they did win, and you pulled the game up on Fred and two up on me now. So you picked the Cowboys. I know it made your stomach a little sick to do it, but you got that one right. So kudos to you. Big credit. Um, this week, though, I'm going with the Texans because – Anytime there's a chance the Cowboys are going to lose, I'm probably going to pick against them. So, Cowboys lose. That's my pick. All right. And, uh, you know, following suit in the uh, in the East, the Cowboys still suck. So, I'll go with Houston. <laughs> well, and, and I'll tell you what. I, I uh, don't ever like to go against J.J. Watt because he's maybe one of my very favorite players in the National Football League right now. But the Dallas Cowboys are going to win this game. Wow. There you go. Just telling it the way it is. There we go. Washington at New Orleans, the Saints. Minus six and a half, Fred. Redskins are on the road. I think um, 
our offense will be able to keep up with the with the Saints a little bit, but the, the offense is the Saints are just too much. They got Ingram coming back as well, so I'm going to say the uh, the Saints win this in a high scoring game. Let's go uh, 33-27. Uh, hmm. Drew Brees is going to set some more records this week. Uh, move up in the NFL, you know, archives and. Saints are going to win this one easily. I'm going to say it by at least 10. So, Saints take this one. Well, I got to I got to stay with my uh my my Eastern Conference. So, uh Washington's in it. So, I got to go with New Orleans. Yeah, and I'm going to go I'm going to go shoot out as well. I'm going to take the Saints at home in a in a loud dome. Uh the Saints are off to a good start. They're already 3 of 1. Uh, they're going to be tough, and we have to go down there here later in the season. I'm not looking forward to that game. I'm going to take the Saints over Washington in this one as well. Okay, Vikings at the Eagles. Eagles minus three. Fred. Eagles are two and two, but the Vikings aren't that good either. I think um, I think last week was it was a punch in the face, a little bit of a wake up call there. I think Doug's going to come out with a more balanced offense, not throw the ball so much. And uh, I don't think the, the defensive adjustments are going to be there. Kirk Cousins is still going to be able to throw, but but I think we're going to score more points. The offense is going to look a lot better. I'm going to take the Eagles winning this one, 34 to 24. You know, I'm starting to agree with Fred. I'm agreeing with Fred way too much this year, but uh, I know the Vikings have revenge on their mind, but they have not been playing all that great so far this year. The Eagles as Fred mentioned, had that tough loss, so they're going to bounce back from that, I think. It's not going to be a blowout like we saw last January 21st, but the Eagles will win this one, and I'm picking a score of 31-20 Eagles. Hmm. I'm, uh, I'm staying with the, uh, the the hometown team. I think the fans are going to be rocking the link this week. They got a lot of energy built up in that loss from last week, so um I, I don't see the Eagles doing anything but good things on both sides of the ball this week. So, a lot of points, a lot of defense. Um, you know, the birds, uh, the birds will be back on the front page this week. Well, and I'm, I'm certainly going to go Eagles in this as well because I'm never, I've never been sold on the Vikings. I wasn't sold on them last year either. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be a little bit closer. I'm going to go 23-20 Eagles. Uh, at home. So we'll see. They need to win. All right. And with that, we appreciate uh, you, Mr. Chesco, joining us. And Fred, we appreciate you uh, coming on as well. We'll do it again next week. All right. Sounds good. Have see a good you guys. Rest of the show. All right. Chet, drive safe. Yep. Talk to you soon. Bye. All Thanks, right. Chet. Yep. All right. Uh, Let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance on winning something they may not be able to afford or help or have access to. Right now, they have a Tim Tebow helmet as well as a Brian Dawkins mini helmet up there. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly sports teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are... One in 21. Pretty good odds. Check check out the Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. Hey, Carl, we've uh, completed our change back over here to Blog Talk Radio um, as of tonight from, from our wildfire experiment. So we're here, and uh, we're planning to hold this 730 Wednesday spot from now on. So plan on joining us. It's www.blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio. And we will have guests next week. Uh, Carl, you'll like this one. Sam Carcitti will be talking Flyers. And Arkansas Fred Barnett will be back to talk Eagles with us next week. Very nice. Very nice. Two, Two good ones, that's for sure. We also want to let our listeners know and remind our loyal listeners to visit our Philly Press Box Radio website, phillypressboxradio.com. We cover all the big stories of the Philly sports teams, write a few articles ourselves, and you can listen to our last two podcasts and our latest Vimeo as well. 
We still have our sponsor banners going across the top. Click on the Irish Rover Station House, BobSullivan'sLikeYourAge.com, and Allstate Insurance of Westchester, Dave LaVoy, banner as well, to go directly to their websites. Remember, it's PhillyPressBoxRadio.com. Hey, Carl, uh, we're running out of time. Do you have any crap we forgot? We uh, we covered a lot. That was uh, that was a fast hour. Uh, we we uh, we covered up a lot. Um, I I just have I just have one I have one question for you. Okay. What is the what is the? Uh, not sure how to word it, but how many games is Gabe Kapler going to get at the start of this 2019 season? Uh, is is he on the hot seat? And how many games will will we see him as manager before they uh, pull the plug? Um. Well, that's an interesting question because I think it's going to really depend on who shows up here. Who are the free agents that we have? What's this roster going to look like? And, and I was going to mention to the to you earlier when we were talking Phillies, and I was afraid we were going to run out of time, so I skipped over it. Uh, you know, it almost sounds like they, they've already given Santana the third base job, Hoskins the first base job, and there's a, you know, Mikel Franco has not always been my favorite guy, but he's a 25-year-old player who responded this year and maybe was one of their best offensive players. Uh, it sounds like he certainly looks like an odd man out. And who else isn't going to be here? Well, like I like I said, I, I, I don't think you can continue to – you know, play around with another year of Scott Kingery being bounced around. I think he, I think he needs to be at second base, and I think Caesar is still serviceable, and you should be able to get a, a decent prospect uh, or, or possibly, you know, a serviceable bench player. Um, you know, unless they package, you know, unless they package a couple of guys. Um, but I, but I really honestly think they're going to move. They're going to move some players. Um, I think you're going to see a few trades. For yeah, sure. I, I do too. I do too. And I think, uh, you know, in that interview with Cataldi, he was talking about uh, Kingry as the shortstop, which then right. gives you the J.P. Crawford situation. So, you know, you got two young guys who both are thought to be very high prospects. Well, you, you know, there's got to be room for both of them. Uh, if they're able to get uh, Harper or one of those, uh, Machado. I mean, if they get one of them, that shakes everything back up. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing that, that we really haven't had much chance to talk about on the show because we just haven't had the time, but one of the things that really bothers me about how this thing is all played out and with Kapler is, you know, these guys, um, you, you're trying to make everybody, in my opinion, trying to make everybody into robots. You know, and I think Oduble is the biggest point of all that. The guy's a free swinger. He can hit line drives. And I've said all along, he's the only guy on his roster that can hit 300. Well, they took the bat out of the guy's hands. They made him stand there and look at pitches and take pitches that were pitches he wants to hack at. Now he's a 260 hitter whose value is next to nothing. And I, I just feel like they, they killed the guy. They hurt the guy bad this year. Yeah, he he didn't adapt, and you know he wasn't able to, you know, to buy into what uh, to what they were selling. Um, you could you could see that just about it. Every at bat, he was, you know, he was uh, he was not comfortable. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think something else that I really want to see how it plays out is they cleaned house on the hitting instructors in the minor leagues, um, right? Because of philosophy issues, so. We'll see how it plays out. But, uh, hey, we're down to having to close out. We'll talk some more about that. Uh, but we want to thank our special guest, you, Mr. Carl Henderson, Andrew Kalista, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAids.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Boy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. So for Jim Chechesco, who will be back next week, This is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October 10th at 7.30 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.